Hi, I'm Marie. And I'm Emily. And we're registered dietitians who love to look at the research when it comes to all things diets and supplements. With years of working with professional and collegiate athletes, we've seen it all, and we're here to set the record straight. On this podcast, we break down popular diets and supplements to let you know what's legit and what's BS. versus BS podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the documentary The Game Changers, which I think Emily and I have both bonded over the fact that this documentary, Working in Sports Nutrition, was kind of the bane of our existence for about six months there when it first came out. So very excited to dive into this one. Uh, This was definitely one that I have taken a deep dive into because I had to when it came out because everybody kept asking me, oh, do I need to go vegan now as an athlete? So uh, we're super excited to get into it. Like we've said before, if you have any documentaries you want us to look into or books, just topic suggestions at all, please let us know. If you like our podcast, please be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. And send us any topic suggestions, any documentary suggestions, anything by DMing us on our Instagram at rds underscore vs underscore bs underscore pod or our contact page on our website, rdsversusbs.com. And if you are interested in getting healthier without dieting, without worrying if something super restrictive is needed to get healthy, we both take clients one-on-one. So if that's something you're interested in, you can learn more by contacting us. Uh, under the work with us tab on our website, rdsversusbs.com. All right. So before we get into all this, Emily, what shit did you see at the grocery store this week? Well, so this week I am back home in Ohio. I'm spending a couple weeks in my parents' house and we went to Costco, which was amazing because I don't go to Costco (laughs) back in California. So we're at Costco. We're looking at the cracker aisle. And I had like a flashback of when I was in high school and I do some of the grocery shopping and I was kind of on my like, I like nutrition. I'm going to be a healthy person kick before I knew I was going to be a dietitian. I'd always get reduced fat crackers. And I think just as a child of the 90s, this is what everyone was told, like less fat is better for you. So I saw these, you know, the club crackers, it's like the green and yellow, your classic, just like rectangular crackers. And I never actually looked to see, all right, what is the difference between reduced fat and the regular? So I looked into it and it's actually hilarious. So regular club crackers, the serving size is four and it's 70 calories, three grams of fat. The reduced fat ones, the serving size is five crackers, 70 calories, two grams of fat. So you get one more cracker and one (laughs) less gram of fat, but like, who cares? (laughs) Reduced fat from three grams to two grams, but it's the same amount of calories. It's just like so silly. Like, what is even the point here? I would say most things out there that claim that don't just claim to be low fat, but are like, this is the more reduced fat version of the regular version. For the most part, if it's a product that's packaged, I would say, don't be like high school Emily and get the reduced fat. Like just (laughs) go for the regular stuff because it's really not that big of a difference. I thought that was interesting. Just a little throwback to who I was a while ago (laughs) to see how things have changed how my mentality has changed about food. 
Yeah. And it's so little of a difference because we have the pictures here of the nutrition facts on our uh, the notes that we take beforehand. And I literally thought you had accidentally just put the same image twice. Right. <laughs> like when I was scrolling through, I was like, oh, oops, she uploaded that twice. <laughs> like that's how similar the nutrition that facts are. That little of a difference. Yeah. It's dumb. Like that, you know, I always tell people like there are things to change in your diet that will actually make a difference. But when we're worrying about stuff like this, this isn't going to make a difference. Yes. Well, speaking of the evils of fat and specifically fat from meat and animal proteins. And that was a terrible transition, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) We'll take it. All right. So yes, this documentary, The Game Changers, it came out in 2018. Is that right? 2019. 2019. I think. And it was produced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, the top leading nutrition researcher and Jackie right. Chan. And then James Cameron, who's like a documentary and James Cameron, guy. oh, another nutrition, top of the field, nutrition leading expert. Yes. All these guys have their MSRD, PhD. They've got it all. They know everything there is to know about nutrition. So it's good they're making a nutrition documentary. It's very similar to What the Health, but it has a little bit of a different twist to it. So it very much is focused on elite athletes and people in the military. The film basically suggests that a vegan diet is superior to eating any animal product. Similar to What the Health, they say that the vegan diet promotes heart health, decreases inflammation, lowers cancer risk, improves physical performance. You know, our greatest athletes, LeBron James and Steph Curry, like if they only ate vegan, imagine how much better of athletes they could be. But I did want to preface this because we did just do What the Health. Emily and I are not anti-vegan diet because I just I see that criticism coming. It just so happens that two of the more popular documentaries have been on the vegan diet lately. If you are doing a vegan diet for whatever reason you choose, we don't have an issue with it. Uh, We'll get into it. You know, you do have to be, especially if you are an athlete, you do have to be a lot more conscientious of your choices, particularly your protein choices. But you can absolutely be a healthy person, a healthy athlete, a very high performing athlete on the vegan diet. We basically are just going to go through and talk about why they misrepresent pretty much all of the data. The experiments that they do have like nothing to do with the point that they're trying to make ultimately. Like we're just going to go through and point those things out. But that by no means means that we're like, and screw the vegan diet. So I don't know. I just feel like I see that criticism and I want to nip it in the bud ahead of time. We're not out here bashing veganism. We're out here bashing the way that data is being represented in these types of documentaries and explaining to you why nutrition research is not so black and white. Ooh, well said. And I totally back all of that up. Yes. We've said it a million times, but different diets work for different people. Okay, so it starts off, we kind of have a narrator or a guy who walks us through this whole documentary, and his name's James Wilkes, and he is a UFC fighter. And he starts off by talking about he decided to do his own research. And a lot of times when people say, I'm going to do my own research, this is what happens. So he found a study that had to do with the Roman gladiators and how they'd found a bunch of remains and they were able to test them. 
and see what these Roman gladiators ate predominantly for their diet. And the study found that it was they were predominantly vegetarian. And this guy is like, oh, wow. So the best athletes in the world, like these were the original like tough guys and they're amazing at fighting and this and that, and they were vegetarian. So that's got to mean that we are meant to eat a vegetarian diet. So Marie, what are your thoughts <laughs> on that? I know you have thoughts. Quite an ex- extrapolation from that research. So he's he's trying to rehab an injury. First of all, he read a study. Well, he didn't even read a study. He read a blog post. The blog I was going to say, this does, isn't even... No, 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 because it's it's in the credits. Like, mm. it's a link to a blog post, not a study. But the blog post does cite the study. So eventually you can make your way back to the study. But <laughs> anyways, it's about the dietary trends of human remains that they found, like a, a burial site for the gladiators. All the study said they seem to be mostly vegetarian based off of, like, the minerals that were found in their bones. However, it was regional. So, yes, these 68 slaves or whatever, or sorry, these 68 gladiators were primarily vegetarian, but that's because they lived in a region that wasn't close to the ocean. And then there was another region that was a primarily fish diet. So here's what I want to point out. Gladiators were slaves. They were not cream of the crop athletes. Now, were some of them forced to become athletes in an attempt to save their own lives because they're literally battling for their life? Yes. But it's not like we think of athletes where they choose that life and, you know, do everything to maintain and uphold their body. No, it's like they are slaves. So they're going to get fed whatever is cheapest and local to that region. It, It was like an anthropology research paper to take a paper Literally just being like, hey, this pile of gladiators ate primarily vegetarian based (laughs) off of the bone remains and take away from that. And therefore, this is the best diet for human performance. And this will be the best way to rehab my injury. That feels like more than a stretch. You know, it's like that. Yeah, that wasn't even close to the point of that paper. The paper was like, let's see what these different regions of gladiators ate. Right. Like, come on. I know. Uh, It shows you how every single point that they make in this documentary, like, this is how it is, right? It's very tiny, tiny lens. And then we take, you know, half a step back and realize, okay, well, maybe there's more to the story. Same thing with, you know, after that, he's bringing up more athletes. It's UFC fight Conor McGregor, who is a meat eater, versus Nate Diaz, who is a plant-based eater. They were going head-to-head in a fight. The documentary is basically saying, like, this is the ultimate way to tell whether it's meat eaters or plant eaters who are going to be better athletes. Like, this is the one fight we're going to look at. Like, this is going to settle this forever. And Nate Diaz, the plant-based eater, ended up winning, even though he was an underdog. And the plant-based eater beat a meat eater. That doesn't mean that that's going to be true every single time. Yeah, and they led into, it was like Conor McGregor, world champion in two different weight classes. Right. He got there by eating meat, not just meat, but like he got there with an omnivorous diet. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to totally ignore all those accolades. And because he loses one fight to somebody with a plant-based diet, therefore the plant-based diet is superior. 
the logic is not there. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to make a point. Yeah. It's like, you're just going to ignore the fact that this dude is like maybe on the tail end of his career, you know? And I don't know if enough about fighting to know if that's true about Conor McGregor, but like if a vegan diet was so superior to an omnivorous diet in the world of sports, every elite athlete would be on a vegan diet. A hundred percent. Cause they do everything that they can to win and be better. So then we go into, you know, basically what we do is now like a little montage of cherry picked athletes that are vegan diets. So there's like an ultra marathon runner. There's a track and field athlete. There's the world's strongest man type athlete, like all these different athletes. And I think I made this point with the what the health documentary and I'll make it again. You can be an elite level athlete on a vegan diet, but you, like I just said, you cannot convince me that it is the best diet for athletes because the overwhelming majority of all elite athletes in the world are omnivorous. They eat meat. And to cherry pick like five athletes, and I mean, again, I don't, listen, these people are all accomplishing feats of strength and endurance and levels of athleticism that I will never reach. I understand that. But these are not well-known people. Like, I hate saying that. You know, these are not your LeBron James. These are not the Usain Bolts. These are not the Simone Biles. These are not the Serena Williams. Like, these are not the top names, you know? And if the vegan diet was as vastly superior to athletics as they make it out to be in this documentary, all of the best athletes in the world would be vegan. And, And they're not. That doesn't mean you can't be an elite athlete and the best of your field if you are a vegan, but that is not the only factor. And it's very clear based off of the representation of all the athletes that we have and the type of diets that they're eating that you can absolutely get to the top of your field not being vegan. And it seems to be somewhat preferable of a diet, you know, if you just look at the statistics. You know, we'll we'll probably get into this a little bit more later, but the truth about the vegan diet is that it is extremely hard to do right. Mm-hmm. Throughout this whole documentary, they talk about how, yeah, protein, you can get all the protein you need from plants. Every plant protein source has all of the amino acids. I'll take a step back for anyone who is, you know, listening to this podcast for the first time, because we talk about amino acids a lot, but basically amino acids make up protein. Every animal-based source of protein, fish, chicken, beef, dairy, like all of it is a complete protein, meaning it it has all of the amino acids. But then there's plant-based protein, rice, you're not going to get all the amino acids in the amount that your body needs. You need to pair it with beans, right? To get a complete protein, meaning you're getting enough of all of the different amino acids. So nutrition's hard enough as it is. If you add in a whole other layer of, okay, now you can't eat 50% of the food out there, then it just makes it really, really hard to be able to get enough calories, but also get them in the proportions that make sure that you get all of the amino acids by pairing many plant-based protein sources. So it's hard because of that. It's hard because, you know, and there is, you know, B12 always comes up. That is something you have to think about. You can't just assume I'm going to get the B12 I need from my diet. It is sometimes low in calcium. It's sometimes low in iron, right? So it just takes a lot more attention to your diet 
that many athletes don't have that time to focus so much on their diet, right? They have a million other things going on. Like they have training. And if they're collegiate athletes, they also have college, right? They've got classes, they've got things going on. So unless you have someone like a dietitian walking you through it, or if you have someone cooking all of your meals and making sure that as a vegan eater, you're getting everything you need, it could be really hard as an athlete to get enough. So honestly, I respect all of the, especially the world's strongest man. Like that guy is huge and he must just pound food. Emily and I have both worked in the professional and the collegiate space of athletes. I now work in military. I know, Emily, you've still got some like amateur athlete, you know, triathlon type people, the clients that you work with. Mm -hmm. Most athletes I have ever worked with do not have the time, the motivation, whatever you want to call it, to implement a vegan diet in a way that it meets their needs. Because like you said, it is much harder to get all of your essential amino acids with a vegan diet than with an omnivorous diet. Because with an omnivorous diet, you don't even have to think about it. Now with a vegan diet, you're almost doing like tracking your leucine intake and tracking, you know, like tracking your intake of all of these essential amino acids. And it just becomes a lot more complicated. And speaking from 10 combined years of experience, most people aren't willing to do that. I'm not even willing to do that. You know what I mean? Like if it's something that somebody's really honed in on and willing to focus their energy on, then yes, it can absolutely be successful. But I mean, I'm thinking even we worked with professional baseball, like getting them to eat vegetables was such a struggle. So to try and say like, oh, everybody needs to be on a vegan diet. Like you have to remember you're working with human beings. The majority of them are not going to be convinced of that. And like, you're just trying to get them to meet their basic needs. Right. And there's a big difference between, okay, maybe it's hard, but if I really eat a vegan diet and I'm successful in it, it's going to make me better than my competition. That's not even what we're saying. We're saying a vegan diet can be successful if you do all these things, but so can an omnivorous diet. So like in my mind, personally, it's like, why would I go through all this trouble to you know put in a ton more effort? to get to the same level of where I can also be eating meat, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a big difference between, you know, eating KFC and pizza and fries to, you know, I'm eating an omnivorous diet of chicken and fish and whole grains and this and that. Like, yes, that, that does give you an athletic advantage, right? Having more nutrients, having more balance, all of that. But meat can be a part of it. And it just makes life a little easier. Mm -hmm. So for athletes, if it's just for wanting to have better performance, I would most of the time recommend just eat an omnivorous diet. Yeah, this is kind of leading into this one guy that they talked to. He's another boxer. His name's Brian Jenning. So this guy is talking about how he used to eat KFC and canned spinach was like the only vegetable. And now he eats a plant-based diet and is a great athlete. And I'm like, I'm not surprised. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not surprised. That's he's eating a lot more healthier stuff. Now. It's not because he's not eating meat. It's because he's eating a lot of other stuff, right? All of this good, healthy stuff. And we have to talk about the burrito experiment. 
What's so funny about this? Oh gosh, we're going to talk about the other one too, which my like Catholic raised self was so <laughs> uncomfortable, but we're going to talk about it. We'll get to that later. But this study and the other one, I mean, quote unquote study, were the only two done by the actual documentary. And they're really more of just like performances. This is what happened. They took three NFL players and gave each of them a different burrito. One was beef, one was chicken, and one was a bean burrito. Okay, they draw their blood two hours after each meal. So they've allowed the burrito to fully digest, get into the blood. They draw the blood of all the athletes, and oh my God, the two who ate meat, there's fat in their blood. Oh my gosh, and the, the doctor's showing Look how cloudy your blood is. They did like the centrifuge, which is a thing that spins really, really, really fast. And then all of the red blood cells sink to the bottom. And then the plasma at the top is clear. So you can see whether it's cloudy or not. Yeah, the two who ate meat, their plasma was cloudy. And then they looked at the guy who ate the bean burrito and it was clear. And that's it. Well, and then they did it again and they all ate bean burritos. And two hours later blood draw, and they all had clear plasma. And it's like, what is the point? What do you think cloudy plasma is doing to you? Like, there was no connection for me of, well, now they basically said, like, this means that you can't perform as well athletically. But like, does it? What we're looking at with the cloudiness and the plasma is digested fat. It was all just visual because there was no connection they just basically said, yeah, that means you're not going to play as well. But like, why? Yeah, they were trying to say that like fat in the blood will inhibit endothelial tissue and basically your like ability to get blood to your muscles and like all this kind of stuff is going to be inhibited. And so like the thought process behind it was already kind of a stretch because they were talking about it as if it was like author osteo. Oh my God, I cannot say this word. Osteosclerosis. <laughs> I don't even know what word you're trying to say. Atherosclerosis. Oh my God. I did not even know what you were trying to say. <laughs> I can never say that word. I hate I hate when that word comes up. There's a lot of skull going on in that word. <laughs> Anyways, that is the <laughs> sort of marker that one of the markers that we use for cardiovascular disease, which is that you've built up plaque of fat in your blood cells and, or sorry, in your, uh, your blood vessels. So, I mean, they were kind of trying to say like, when you have fat in your blood vessels, the epithelial function decreases and therefore like blood doesn't circulate as well. But it's like, that's not the same as having digested fat chylomicron. So like the transporter of fat that you will have in your system whenever you eat fat to circulate it, that th it's not the same. Like plaques of fat is not the same as circulating fat that's like going to eventually get dumped off at your body cells and utilized for whatever it needs. They didn't even test endothelial function. Right. That would have made it more worth anything. Yeah. They just tested cloudiness of fat, which is somehow supposed to mean that your endothelial function has decreased, but they didn't make that connection at all. 
It was just all for show, and oopsie daisies, we have another doctor here performing this quote-unquote experiment, uh, Dr. Robert Vogel, and he uh, sells a bunch of vegan products, so didn't disclose that. Good find. And, I, you know, another point that I wanted to make, because he was trying to say, like, imagine trying to play with all this cloudy blood. It's like, also, if you talk to any sports dietitian, we recommend low-fat diets before athletic competition because we want carbohydrates to fuel you and no world would i be like hey eat this super heavy chorizo ultra fat burrito and then go (laughs) play football you know (laughs) yes it's just like that was another theme throughout this whole movie was they kept saying people all think that protein gives you energy and that eating a big steak is gonna give you energy it's like nobody thinks that yeah I don't think that's the issue at all. And then they they just has, have this constant dialogue about, oh, here's some surprising news. Protein doesn't give you energy. It's actually carbs. It's like, we know that, but that doesn't mean <laughs> to not eat any protein. Yeah. Like, we can do both. You can still, they talk about glycogen stores. and Like, you've got to have enough carbs to get your glycogen stores in your muscles so you can perform at your best it's like you can do that and you can eat meat like it's not one or the other i thought it was kind of interesting and i'd forgotten about this part about they're talking about athletes the whole time and then they start talking about the the narrator's dad he had a heart attack which is actually really sad so now we're getting into okay so you're not an athlete and you're not in the military how might this affect you too They started talking about how, you know, the heart attack, it's got to be from eating animal products and that, you know, it's not just eating red meat. It's not just eating saturated fat that's bad for you. They once again, just like in What the Health, are bringing up, oh, there are all of these inflammatory compounds in meat that cause you to develop heart disease. And they brought up heme iron again. And Marie, I'm so glad you like dove into this. You found a study. So let's hear about this study. Oh, I didn't find the study. They referenced the study. Oh, I I must have blacked out. We both, Marie and I both halfway through this, we're like, I can't take any more of this. (laughs) So this must have been my breaking point. But you explain it. Yeah. Okay. So this is no different than what the health. So they reference a study and they say you're 20, you have a 27% increased risk if you eat a milligram of heme iron a day which is roughly like about half of a burger patty's worth. I go look up that study because I said, I bet you they've misrepresented that data. And lo and behold, it's like, I don't know if they do it on purpose or not, but it's the (laughs) same thing that we've talked about now, I think three or four episodes in in a row, relative risk versus absolute risk. So your actual risk, your increased risk of cardiovascular disease for eating a milligram of heme iron a day is 1.27%. Oh, so not 27. So again, you've got that baseline about 5% risk, and then it's 27% of that 5%. So it is a 1.27% increased risk. But they take that 27 because that's a much bigger number and it's a much scarier number and they slap it on there. And then once again, they had a graphic with a bar graph that misrepresented the data 
What's so important too, to take a step back, because we talk a lot about types of studies, right? So they're basing this off of an epidemiological study. So just a big study looking at a bunch of different data around the world and how people sort of based on their region and their general uh, dietary trends and stuff like that, how their, what their health outcomes are like. So there, there are reasons that this type of data can be really important. So for example, we see lower cardiovascular disease in the Mediterranean region you know, and that's how we sort of extrapolate, okay, maybe there's something to eating, you know, like high fatty fish and omega-3s and stuff like that for heart disease. But you cannot make conclusive statements and like make assumptions about causation based off of these because there are so many confounding factors. And we've talked about this with red meat. People who tend to eat a high amount of red meat also have other behaviors that promotes unhealthy outcomes. For example, smoking, stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that everybody who eats high amounts of red meat have these. And another thing too, especially when it comes to the vegan diet specifically, we know that people who tend to eat a vegan diet tend to have other healthful day-to-day habits that you're not going to find in somebody that doesn't have a vegan diet. Because if you're somebody even considering a vegan diet for your health, that means that you prioritize your health. You have the access and the time and the finances to prioritize your health. And therefore, you are more likely to have healthful outcomes. Does that mean that it's the vegan diet? No, that means that health is a priority for you. You are choosing a diet that you are choosing in the pursuit of health. That means that you have behaviors that are going to drive you towards health, not towards illness. So you can't always rely on epidemiology to say heme iron causes cardiovascular disease because A, the data would be much stronger if it did, right? Mm -hmm. A 1.2% increase. And there's so many confounding factors of the behaviors of regions of people that tend to eat higher, you know, red meat consumption versus people that don't, right? And so, yeah, again, it's like you've got this super, uh, one might say murky data as murky as the blood plasma. Somebody that just ate a steak burrito. And they're like extrapolating these very conclusive and like extreme statistics out of it that are just like fully misrepresented. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all of grad school for us was learning how to read research. I feel like that was my biggest takeaway. And so- it's dangerous when we just have all this research out there and then reporters and people get their a hand on it and they just blow it out of proportion when really there's a lot more going on. Like everything you just said, Marie, like you have to take it into in, in the context with which it's presented for sure. Okay. Second experiment. I was going to make Marie talk about this, but I'm going to be brave. <laughs> so if, if you're listening with small children, maybe we're about to talk about male lower half of the body anatomy. Yes, which, so for anyone who doesn't know me, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. And I still, my mom to my face has even called me a prude. Like I'm a, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a prude person, but I sat through this and I'm going to talk about it now. So this was another experiment that they did for the documentary. And this time they get three collegiate male athletes. And I, I loved that they got college guys because their reactions were hilarious to this, but 
basically they were measuring their erections at night. And I can't get out of my mind for anyone who's seen this movie. This doctor is showing the guys how to like put this device on their penis before they go to bed. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, I can't get it out of my head. So anyway, we're back to burritos. So the three guys eat a burrito, a beef one, a chicken one, and a pork one on day one. And then they wear this device to bed and it measures not only how many erections they have, but how strong they are, I guess is the word. Okay. And then on day two, instead of meat in the burritos, they're eating plant-based protein burritos. I didn't say if it was beans. I think it was probably some kind of like soy protein burritos. Then they put on the device again, go to bed, get measured, and then go back into the doctor's office. And he gives them these handouts and basically shows that when they ate a meal before bed that had meat in it, their erections weren't as hard and they didn't have as many erections as they did when they ate the vegan meal. And the guys were hilarious. You know, they were kind of like blushing too. And oh my gosh, like you had 332% more erections on your second night when you're into vegan food. And they're they're like, you know, punching each other. Oh. And I'm sitting there like, what does this, why, what are we even measuring here? Right. Like, in in practicality, does it matter how many erections you get at night? Like, I'm not a guy. I grew up with all sisters. Is there any practicality of this? Like, does this mean anything? Because they preface this whole experiment saying, like, when you think of a manly man, you think of someone who is big and strong and is you know sexually fertile or sexually active or something like that. And I think that's what they were trying to get at here. But like, who cares if they're asleep, right? I don't understand. I I don't get it at all. I don't understand this. Except it was it was entertaining. I was like sitting there cringing, but it was entertaining nonetheless. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are they're trying to convince a population of people that are hard pressed to be convinced to eat a vegan diet. So they're trying to rebrand the vegan diet as like manly, and this is the approach <laughs> that they took. Again, Emily, similar to the point we were making of if the vegan diet really and truly made one such a better athlete, all the best athletes would do it, would do it. If eating meat really contributed to erectile dysfunction, men would stop eating meat. Mm -hmm. It's all just kind of trying to make the same point. And it's all using studies they've taken out of context and it's all cherry picking people and just ignoring mountains of evidence that shows again, not necessarily the opposite. We're certainly not saying that the guy that was eating KFC every day would be better off eating KFC than a vegan diet, but there are ignoring mountains of evidence of there are other ways to attain a high level of performance and health other than the vegan diet. Oh, I did want to bring up at one point, they said that the vegan diet was the only diet that has been proven to reverse cardiovascular disease. Oh, yeah. That's not true. Right. That is not true. The Mediterranean diet, the TLC diet, and the DASH diet have all been proven to reverse cardiovascular disease, and those are all omnivorous diets. Yes. 
they all encourage, you know, yes, lots of whole grains, fruits, vegetables, but lean meat is in there as well, right? Yeah. And sometimes fatty meat in the source of fatty fish. Yes, 100%. So if anyone has watched this and they took away, you know, you kind of feel bad about yourself after like, oh, is vegan really the only way to go? Long story short, to summarize, you know, all of this, should athletes and all people be on a vegan diet? Like, absolutely not. If you can do it and it's your preference, you feel better on it and you can plan it out, go for it, right? It is super healthy. There are studies about that. But just because it works for some people doesn't mean we all have to do it. So it's right. not the only way for humans to achieve optimal health and optimal athletic performance. You know, humans thrive on many different diets and everyone's different. So just because it worked, vegan worked for the strongest guy in the world doesn't mean if you want to be the strongest guy in the world, it doesn't mean you have to be vegan. I'm pretty sure because when I was first talking to people about this documentary, I remember somebody saying that the strongman, like his record was broken. Oh, which again, I am not out here claiming that I'm going to be athletically as gifted and strong as any of these people. Uh But if that's the case and it was beaten by somebody who's probably not vegan by having one or two or a handful of people that have accomplished their athletic their athletic endeavors through a vegan diet, it's a null point anytime anybody beats them with a non-vegan diet. And again, it's not saying that it's not healthy or that it wasn't. I mean, sure, for some of them, maybe they did achieve their how they did through a vegan diet because their other diet wasn't as good or the vegan diet worked for them. Like, that's fine, but you can't make that argument and then... Like I said, I mean, I will never, ever go to the Olympics. I will never go to the Olympics. But the Olympic powerlifter that they had in there didn't win. You know, the pe- mm-hmm. had a bunch of people beat him who were on the om- omnivorous diet. And that's not to take away from his accomplishments. I am a lowly contract <laughs> dietitian who only got as far as collegiate swimming. Hey, don't never say go to the only. But I was thinking saying, about like, you. During this, I'm like, oh, yeah, because Marie was an actual athlete. Hey, I didn't make my sophomore year basketball team in high school. So <laughs> you're you're better off than I am. I am a I am a, a general population person here. But yes, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. So it, it just can't be the, the way that they represented this documentary is that vegan is the only way to achieve your athletic goals. And that just simply is not true. And the way that they tried to prove it was to cherry pick people. I can't make that statement without sounding like a total asshole because again, like (laughs) I was never at that level of athletic accomplishment, but I hope people understand what I'm trying to say. Yes. I think it's not the one thing. It's not the one thing. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And yeah. So does the vegan diet get the BS stamp? Absolutely not. Like check out our two, we have two episodes on the vegan diet, one about the environment and one about health. Check those out because, hey, there's research behind it. But is this documentary BS? Absolutely. Just for the way that they cherry pick the data, they see things through such a small lens and sometimes just straight up lie, which I'm really sick of seeing in books and documentaries and all of this, just people who straight up lie. And I would say my takeaway 
from all the documentaries we've done and all the books we've read is just don't take things at face value. Yeah. And again, I, I just wish we've now this is now our second pro-vegan documentary. And I really wish rather than spending so much time demonizing meat that we spent time highlighting the benefits of plant foods and wouldn't it be great if we got more in our diet and how do we get people access who don't have access or haven't grown up with these foods? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, what would be the name of that documentary? But I can't even like... The world's most boring documentary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Literally. That's okay. We keep fighting the good fight. So yeah, that's Game Changers. Um, if you want to watch it, it's on... Well, I don't know if it's on that. I watched it on YouTube. I don't think that's fully legal. (gasps) I saved 99 cents, but. Yeah, I I bought it on Prime. It was on Netflix. I don't think it's there anymore, though. Okay. Well. It's all right. You don't need to watch it. You don't have to watch. If you've listened this far, then you know more than most people who have watched it anyway. So you're fine. But if you're curious, it's out there. Um, But yeah, thank you all for listening. And. As always, love to hear from you guys with questions, comments, suggestions on topics. So you know how to reach us, our website or our Instagram. And until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Marie. And don't let the BS get the best of you.